What's up, everybody? This is the Third and King podcast. My name is Max. You remember TJ. Hello. And we like to talk about the Giants. Today is is March 23rd, which means we are exactly one week out from opening day. Does that excite you, Teej? I'm extremely excited. Stoked, excited, ready to go. How are you feeling? I feel great. Five days a week, I get baseball on TV, right? My wife is stoked, I'm sure. (laughs) I feel like we've been waiting for this moment for a while now. Agreed. It's coming. Yep. I see you uh, You wore a shirt with yourself on it today. Is that you? I did. I am, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to call me Squints, feel free. <laughs> I might. What do you think about talking about the roster today? We're a week away, so kind of seems fitting. See where we think that that's going to land. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think, I think there are a few people that are shoe-ins or locks for the yeah. roster, but yeah. I think there's going to be some things around the edges that are kind of interesting to talk about. So yeah, let's do it. Maybe a bit of news first. When we left off, you had admitted not so much into the World Baseball Classic. I did. Challenged you to watch the finals. What'd you think? Yeah, so I watched the Japan-Mexico game, which was absolutely thrilling. That ending was fantastic. And then I watched the final between Japan and the United States. And it was really good as well. So I appreciate you challenging me to do that (laughs) because I enjoyed watching it. I don't know why I hadn't gotten invested beforehand, but better late than never, I guess. Yeah, both super fun games. Did you happen to see the Japanese call of the end of that Mexico-Japan? I did. I watched, I watched like four different calls, I think. There was like something that went around that had all of them, including, I think, just crowd noise. And all of them were great for their own reasons. Yeah, super. Uh, but yeah, obviously the, like the home team or the, you know, Team Japan winning with that call is is just going to be legendary. So it was great. Yeah. So of course I would have loved. I'm sure you would have too for USA to win. Um, but the entire time I was watching it, I just kept thinking, if Japan wins, I'm not even going. I'm not going to be upset. I think it was, it was good for baseball. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, everyone's a Shohei fan, right? Super cool. I saw that some of the players were carrying an Ichiro jersey out there. When they were celebrating, which yeah, was yeah, I think I think I saw that his jersey was hanging up in the dugout. I'm not sure yep. if it was for the whole tournament or if it was just those last two games. I didn't look into the significance of that, but yeah, I mean, he's you know he's Ichiro, he's a legend. So I think I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then of course that final at bat, just Shohei and Trout. It felt like that was scripted. It did. Um, and man, Shohei was throwing gas. Yeah, it was like that Thanos line, like, I am inevitable. It felt like that matchup was inevitable. We were just waiting for it, and we got it. And tip your hat to, to Shohei, because he just, he just mowed through Trout, you know, three swinging strikes. And, I mean, Trout's one of the best players ever, if not just of our generation. And he went down swinging with three strikes. I'm sure you saw that snap that's being passed around where, where Trout, has, it says he's it's only been like 24 at bats or something where he swung and missed it three strikes yeah. and which is nuts. He was aiming for the moon though, to be fair, but that's just, it was just, I think that's trout swing, but yeah, yeah. and with a one run game, I mean, I guess like, why not? But it's also crazy that, and I mean, not to make this into the Shohei Otani podcast, but <laughs> the dude was 
DHing and hitting all game, and then was like, I'm gonna go to the bullpen and warm up, and then come and out. He kept just... like running back and forth between the bullpen and the dugout, and oh. then he came out throwing gas. And then, I mean, throwing hard is obviously difficult, but that slider he threw to strike Trout out was nasty. It, nasty. You know, it was like 92 or something, and just perfectly placed it was great 87 i believe but it was oh, i think the, the pitch before uh, he had spiked the 102 into the ground and then and then threw oh yeah just nuts but that yeah. that that slider is very shohei right that's his pitch but yeah and you know what's funny is i actually don't think he was throwing it when he first came over to mlb i think he was mostly fastball splitter i could be misremembering that and I should look this up before I state it on a podcast. But the fact that I think it's a pretty relatively new development and it's just like a wipeout slider, again, just kind of adds to the legend of Shohei Otani. Yeah. Sergio Romo is coming back. I think this is kind of cool. We've seen this before with guys that sign in like the regular season to retire as a Mm -hmm. giant or whatever team that they spent most of their career with. I kind of like this approach in spring training because then he's not taking up a roster spot. <laughs> like they did it with JT Snow several years ago and I thought it was cool, but he had to have he had to have a roster spot for it. And who knows who had to get like DFA'd in exchange and that feels bad a little bit. So I think this is a cool way to do that without taking a roster spot. And I think the Giants are a little generous with the forever Giant term. But I I like this one. He was part of all three World Series runs, which there were only a few guys to do that. He was an extremely effective reliever. I was talking to you before we started recording about his 2011, which is just one of the weirdest statistical seasons I think I've ever seen. So in 2011, he threw 48 innings. And he had 70 strikeouts and five walks in those 48 innings. And that's just wild. And then he came back as a Dodger and Giants fans cheered him. And that doesn't happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. It's a little cheesy, but at the same time, it's fun. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, look, if it excites other Giants fans, I'm all for it, right? I, think, I do think it's cool. I like that teams do this type of thing. I might be one of the few. It doesn't really excite me. I don't know if I have an opinion. I I don't know. The guy did go directly to the Dodgers. At least Jeff Kent went through Houston when he did that to us. It's cool. And and everything you said about us doing it during preseason, right, and spring training, that makes so much sense. And I, I actually hadn't even really thought about that. And if I were a player who was DFA'd for a legacy player to come on board for a day, I'd be pretty upset. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We still have some injuries out there. Crawford's back. I think he's played two games now. I know he played today. Yeah, I think at this point, he's good to go. You know, I think we were a little bit concerned because he was dealing with that knee thing. But I think all systems go unless he has a setback, so... Cross your fingers, knock on wood, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think he's good to go. I, I think he'll get the nod opening day. I think we'll see him out there. It is a lingering knee thing, though, right? I think he missed time twice last season for the same knee. Yeah, at this point, though, I think his leg would have to be missing for him to not make an opening day start, A, because it would be 12 in a row, and B, it's against his brother-in-law <laughs> in Garrett Cole. Like, there's no shot oh. he's missing that. <laughs> You're right, and there's certainly, I'm sure, going to be a lot of family there. You know, he's getting old, so are you and I. My knees hurt. Every day. If I could get that cortisone shot, like I'm sure he (laughs) will. (laughs) 
what else we got? Slater, not looking optimistic. I, I think at this point we're not expecting him to. Uh, yeah, I think it would take a miracle for him to be ready for opening day. So as we've discussed, you and I are both big Austin Slater fans. So this is kind of a bummer, but there's very few people these days that don't miss time. It sucks that he's going to miss time at the beginning of the season, but hopefully that just means he'll be healthy the rest of the season. Being super optimistic, I would rather him miss time now than down the stretch. Totally. Yeah. I saw Jock was scratched again today. He wasn't scratched today. He was scratched earlier in the week, but then just hasn't right. been penciled into the lineup yeah. since. So he hasn't returned yet. So they mentioned that it was precautionary and because the weather was kind of crummy, whatever day that was, I think it was Monday. But the fact that he hasn't returned is a little strange, but I also think he's one of those guys that they can be cautious and then just get him a couple at-bats beforehand and, you know, see ball, hit ball, and I think he'll be fine. You got any other injuries yeah, out there? Yeah, a couple more. So Mitch Hanniger is ramping up. Mm. I'm still a little pessimistic that there would just be enough time for him to ramp up to be ready for opening day. We'll have to see how that goes, but we're just running out of time with only a week left. Cole Waits, who kind of was delayed in making his spring debut, is scheduled to pitch today in the night game of the split squad game. So that's a good sign. And then Stephen Piscotti, who we talked about on our last episode, who was dealing with an oblique injury of his own, was back in the lineup on Tuesday. I think he's the obvious candidate to sub in for Hanniger if Hanniger doesn't end up being ready. You want to talk about some weird rules within spring training? There was just one from what I wanted to talk about. There's a rule where you can take a pitcher out in in the middle of an inning and he can come back out the next inning. And this is just during spring training, obviously. I really like this, you know, because the point of this is for guys to ramp up and get ready and get stretched out. And if you're, you know, if they've got a certain pitch count, you don't want them to overextend themselves in just one inning because they're having control issues or they're giving up a bunch of hits or whatever. So I, I really like this rule. I think it was probably implemented in like the COVID season. We've seen a few rules linger from that season that we like. We've seen some linger, such as the zombie runner that we don't really like. But I think this one's good. It's an exhibition game. It means nothing other than... Guys need to stay healthy. Guys need to get ready. So, yeah, why not? I'm all for it. Sure. Yeah, this, the zombie runner, I know you and I aren't a big fan. The yeah. players seem to be, though. Yeah, and I mean, I don't I don't blame them. It keeps games from getting long yeah. and getting out of hand. I've, I've always said, give me, like, one or two regular extra innings. Give me, like, the 10th and the 11th as regular. And then if we get to the 12th, fine. Yeah, I know you and I have we've tossed around our our ideas for how we we think MLB should handle it. We are yet to pitch any of those. <laughs> We're out here, MLB. <laughs> just give us baseball. a call. All right. So, what do you say? Do you want to talk roster? You got anything else you want to chat about? Let's jump in. All right. Let's start with pitchers. Right. We'll talk about who we think is going to land on the opening day roster. I think if it's okay with you, as we chat about this, I'm going to pretend like I am the manager, not Catboard. Okay. Like what I would do. I think what I think is going to happen, not what I think Kapler is going to do. Oh, okay. Sure. That yeah. I, I follow. I like this. I do think that it's important for teams to win early on in the opening series, right, to just kind of keep momentum going and to build up some excitement. So with that being said, I do think that 
it's not necessarily the time that I would be experimenting with new talent and new teammates, right? I think it's a time that I would lean on my veteran players, right? Those that have put in the time and been with us. That being said, we do have some injuries and some gaps that we have to deal with. So I do think we will see some of these these new teammates out there. Yeah. And then one thing I like to mention is that for the players and for us, opening day is it's an event, right? Young players getting their first opening day start or even just making the opening day roster for the first time is huge. You know, guys like Crawford making his 12th straight opening day start at short. Yeah. Huge. But I think for the Giants management and organization, they're just going to treat this as any other day. So I think we're going to be kind of predicting the opening day roster, but it's possible that as soon as a few days in, they start to make changes based off of who they're going to see next, kind of those days off. They do have two weather days built in, but maybe they have to get creative. Like maybe they have to have a double header one of those days, which just makes things even more complicated. So, you know, we're going to talk about who we think is going to make the opening day roster, but I think that that is less important to the Giants organization than it is to us as fans and and the players. I am the most important person in the Giants organization. (laughs) Same. Let's talk about pitchers. If you want to get into that, we talked a bit about it on the last episode, who we thought the rotation might be. Maybe you can Start us off, elaborate on what yeah. you think that'll be. Yeah, so I have, of the 26-man roster, I've got 12 pitchers making it, which means 14 position players. During like the bulk of the season, we'll probably see an even split of 13 and 13. But with it being so early in the season, we don't have any injuries yet. Again, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. With those two off days that, you know, hopefully the weather cooperates and we don't have to use those weather days, then I think that they can get away with one less pitcher and one more position player. So I've got them slated with six starters. You know, Logan Webb's going to be the opening day starter, Alex Cobb, and then some combination of Anthony DiSclefani, Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling, and Alex Wood. I think one interesting note again, kind of referencing our last episode, is that Manaya pitched the early game today and then DiSclefani is pitching the night game, which suggests that they're on the same rotation schedule, which, again, could lend itself to them piggybacking. Piggybacking, yeah. But yeah, so so I've got those six starters. Does that make sense to you, or am I crazy? No, not cra- crazy, sure. But yes, that that. <laughs> Also, it does make sense. You want to try and predict who you think will pitch opening day? Sort of to what you were saying earlier, I think it's going to be like an all-hands-on-deck situation where it's going to be Webb, and you know, as long as he's pitching well and pitching efficiently, which we all know he can do very easily, you know, they're going to let him go as long as they're comfortable as far as like pitch count goes. My guess would be that's probably around 85 pitches somewhere in that ballpark. And then they're going to go with their big one-inning reliever guys. So they're going to have the Rogers twins. They're going to have Brebbia. They're going to have Duvall. As long as the situation calls for it, right? Like, if it's a blow in either direction, then throw it all away. But I'd be surprised if it wasn't, like, a competitive close game, if it wasn't, like, Tyler Rogers and Camilo Duvall coming out after Webb. So that'd be, yeah. if you forced me to make a prediction, that's how I'd go. So uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but that's exactly 
pretty much what I have in my notes. We'll see Webb probably go through five, I think. And then I, I have Tyler Rogers, Camille Duvall. Something makes me think Manaya is going to come out of the bullpen. I think it'd be fun to see him. I think that they're going to save him for later in the week, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You think we get another sub three ERA from Logan Webb? Yes. So his 2021 was so good, especially from like May on, that last year almost felt like a disappointment. And then you look at it and he was incredible. He was so good. Yet he has come out and said, I didn't pitch that well last year. So I think he's got something else there. I think he's that good. Yeah, go ahead. 2021, his ERA was 3.03. 2022, it was (laughs) 2.9. So it got better, but he pitched worse. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah. So rounding out the pitching staff, you know, we've got some guys in the bullpen. So I think it's going to be Jacob Junis, Tyler and Taylor Rogers, Scott Alexander, John Brebbia, and Camilo Duvall. I think one thing of note here is that I think that's a little bit light. Like normally you'd have an extra one inning guy or something like that. I think that's where Cole Waits potentially comes mm. in. But because I think they're going to have a lot of their innings eaten up by that either piggyback rotation or long relievers or six-man rotation, however they end up chopping it up, I think they can get away with having kind of a shortened bullpen because they're expecting a lot of those innings to get eaten up by guys that can normally go like four to five innings this early in the season. Leads us into catchers, and the catcher position is one that we've been talking about for a while now. Yeah. It's the most interesting to me, I think, right now. Joey Bart, I think that there's no way he doesn't make the roster. His offense, look, his offense can be a little worrisome, right, with the the high percentage of strikeouts. We know that. I was kind of shocked to look at the stats and see that he didn't have a great defensive season last year. Yeah. Didn't seem that bad to me. His defense still doesn't worry me, especially with game one. I think we're going to see him out there. Yeah, I think they're going to at least open the season with three catchers. It's going to be Joey Bart. I'm just going to lean into it. I'm going to say Blake Sable. And then it's going to be, it's probably going to be Roberto Perez. It could be Austin Wins. Either one of them need a 40-man spot. I think they're kind of the same player, like defensive first, you know, kind of light hitting catcher. It wouldn't shock me if Roberto Perez ended up getting traded. I don't know, maybe some Farhan Magic in there to a team that wants that type of catcher, you know, backing up their starter or something like that. And the only reason I say that is because his contract and Wins's contract are a little bit different. Like Wins would be a lot easier to put in AAA where Perez basically can't. And we know the Giants like their roster flexibility. As much as they want to, they might not be able to carry three catchers all year round. So it's one of those things where I think in an ideal world, they probably have wins, but because of the contract, they'll have to keep Perez unless they end up moving on from him. I also think we're going to try and carry three catchers. I agree with you there. I think it's Bart and wins. Mm -hmm. And if I think back, we dealt Casali, right, to keep wins yeah been around the block a bit he's uh, the team is obviously super comfortable with him he can handle big league pitchers i believe he caught almost every game for rodon last year yeah even though it's a smaller sample size because he didn't play as many games as bart statistically he was better yeah i think his experience and our experience with him 
will probably bring him back. And yeah. then where I think it gets interesting is with Perez and Sable. I personally think, and I already said this, so I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. I think Perez and Wins are kind of interchangeable. If they keep three catchers, two of them won't be Perez and Wins because they're just kind of redundant. You know, they both hit right-handed. They're both defensive catchers. That um, makes sense. I think defensive-wise, so the problem with Perez is he's not good at the plate batting. Like, that's yeah. not his strength. The yeah. guy does have two gold gloves, though, that I don't yeah. think anyone really remembers. No, he's, he's a very good defensive catcher. He really is. So that's why Solid, I think he's yeah. more likely to, like, maybe the Giants trade him for, like, a reliever in double-A or something, you know? And, and then they don't have to worry about trying to force him to triple-A and he just will refuse the assignment because he's been in the league long enough where he can do that, and then they just yeah. lose him. Well, I agree with everything you said about wins. I think he's been there. I think he's comfortable. I think the pitchers really like throwing to him. He doesn't have that luxury of refusing an assignment that Perez does, which is why I would just give the edge ever so slightly to Perez. Sure, that makes sense. But I do think Sable has been very interesting, very enjoyable to watch in spring training. He's been very hot at the plate. He's batting 361, OPS of 1194. He's just not as experienced, right? Yeah. And especially at the catcher position. Definitely. I think the other interesting thing about Sable is that he has been getting time in left field. And then we're not really concerned about Jock right now, but we don't really know. So maybe Sable keeps getting at bats at DH while Jock is on the mend. And that keeps him his bat in the lineup. As we've talked about, he has to be on the 26-man roster or they have to offer him back. So Yeah, he's a Rule 5 guy. So for those reasons, I think that there is a very good argument that he might find the roster. Yeah, I think we're going to try and do three. For me, it's between Perez and, and Sable. Yeah. We did catchers. We did pitchers. Infielders? Outfielders? Where do you want to go next? Yeah, we'll Infield. go infielders. I think this is the least surprising out of the whole group. It's going to be Brandon Crawford, J.D. Davis, Tyro Estrada, Wilmer Flores, David Villar, and Lamont Wade Jr. And I think all of those guys are pretty much locks unless they do something just completely galaxy brain that we're not envisioning yet. Do you agree or, or disagree? I don't see a scenario where the six players you just listed aren't on the roster. Yeah. If we want to try and get crazy, the only one out of those that even could without losing them is David VR because he has exactly. options left. I know that J.D. Davis has not been a great defensive third baseman in his career, but they've been having him play a lot of third base in the spring along with VR and Casey Schmidt, depending on who needs at-bats and things like that. So he's the only one that I think they could even like think about not having on the opening day roster, but I don't see it. I think they're just going to give him first right of refusal, and that's not a, a baseball term, but like it's his job to lose. And unless he plays his way out of the job, I think he's going to start there. Let's be hypothetical. Okay. Uh, we are optimistic that Brandon Crawford's going to get the, the nod opening day, right? Yes. But... If he doesn't, you think we see Brett Wisely? I do. It'll either be like Estrada at short and Wisely at second. I think that's how they prefer them in like the defensive spectrum. It could be just Wisely at short and Estrada at second. Just like we talked about earlier, I think it would take a catastrophe for Brandon Crawford to not start <laughs> on opening day at shortstop in 2023. I think you're right, but just putting it out there. Yeah. I'll also, I will say that at quick glance, Wisely kind of resembles Crawford. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, some, <laughs> some long hair coming out the back of the cap, little yeah. like, bearded face, and yeah, I can see that. Yep, I uh, I did a double take earlier. <laughs> so let's go out to the outfield. 
Okay, so for outfielders, I've got Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, Jock Peterson, Mike Yastrzemski, and then Bryce Johnson. I think Bryce Johnson will make it in basically in place of Austin Slater, and then they'll open up a 40-man roster spot by putting... They basically have three guys that are they're going to put on the 60-day injured list, which will open up 40-man spots. It's going to be Luis Gonzalez, Jackson, and Thomas Zapucky. So once that happens, they just can't do it yet for procedural reasons, then it'll open up three 40-man spots. So with one of those guys going to the 60-day IL, Bryce Johnson will take that spot, and then Slater will go to the the 10-day IL, and he'll be on the opening day roster. The other thing there is, like, if Hanniger isn't ready, I think Piscotti is just, like, the easy fit to take his spot, and then one of those guys that has to get moved to the 60-day injured list will open up a 40-man spot for Piscotti. Yeah, so back to Bryce. I definitely think that he makes the squad. He has been, I think, probably my favorite to watch throughout spring. And since we have a spot to fill, right, because of, of Slater's injury, I think that he gets it. I think he deserves it. Yep. He's doing everything right in spring. He's batting 353, eight RBIs, 10 runs himself, 12 swipes out of 12 attempts. Yeah, he can bat from both sides. You know that. I think the the other thing that is maybe it's confirmation bias, but he started three games in a row, the last three games. Mm. Like, if that's not telling, I don't know what is. And maybe yeah. I'm looking too much into it, but why would you start a guy three times in a row unless he's, he's going to get the nod? He might not start opening day. In fact, if it's Garrett Cole on the mound... Yastrzemski will probably start, but I think he makes the roster because of that. Yeah, very true. I just think he's one of those guys. He's got a lot of talent out there in the outfield and at the plate. I think that if he can continue to play at the level he is, and yes, like the big leagues is different, right? But if he can keep this level of play up, I think there's a chance he keeps um, some of our veterans on their toes a bit. Yeah, I think the only one we didn't talk about that is kind of a notable omission is Sean Jelly. He's been mm. honestly been pitching really well in spring. He looked really good down the stretch last year. I don't know what the Giants think of him as far as, you know, do they want him a traditional starter? Do they want him to be more like a Jacob Junis where he's like a multi-inning reliever, swingman type? I think because of the way that the schedule is to start the season that he's just not going to make the opening day roster, but I really think we see him super early on. Who that is in exchange for, I don't know. But he's the only one that we didn't talk about that could make it if they end up going with 13 pitchers instead of the 12 that I think they're going to do. Yeah, I, I think we'll see him for sure this season. I thought we'd see more of him last season. He did look good. And intimidating as all heck, being seven <laughs> feet tall up on a... I don't know how tall the, the mound is, but geez. Did you happen to read a... It was an Andrew Baggerly article. Uh, he's at The Athletic, but apparently Ross Stripling's release point on his curveball is higher than Sean Jelly's. So, like, where he releases the ball, like, distance to the ground, and he's, like, a full foot shorter than... <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so, because Stripling's just completely over the top, and then Jelly's yeah. a little bit off to the side, but I don't know. I just thought that was funny. That is funny. Do we hit every position? I think that's it. Yeah, There was something I wanted to talk about at the beginning. I thought it was interesting. So you know I play MLB The Show, right? Yep. PS5. So they posted today that they simulated the entire season. 
Okay. They've got the Blue Jays finishing with the most regular season wins at 108. Okay. Angels made the playoffs as the wild card. Doesn't surprise me. I think we talked about that in our first episode. I think they did just enough, and they've got Shohei, and they've got Mike Trout. They did just enough around them where I can see them sneaking in as a wild card. And, and that is exactly what the show has them doing because they lost in the ALDS. Yeah. Trey Turner and Bubba Thompson led both leagues in stolen bases. Sure. Yeah, sure. I can see Trey. Yeah. Fast. He's fast. Freddie Freeman and Justin Turner winning the batting titles for both leagues. Freeman makes an absolute ton of sense. That dude. Justin Turner? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. Hmm. Joe Musgrove and Jacob deGrom are named Cy Youngs. Okay. Sure. Musgrove seems like a bit of a stretch, but it's not. That doesn't, like, shock me. Yeah, at the end of the season, if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've got the polar bear, Pete Alonso and uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, both taking home the MVP for both leagues. MVP? MVP. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, home run champs. I mean, Alvarez is, I think, just a freak. insane. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> Alonso's obviously a very, very good hitter, a very good power hitter, especially. I mean, I think the Mets are going to be good, so, like, I think he gets a little bump from being on a good team. So, yeah, sure. I could buy the it. Mets are, the Mets are going to be good. Yeah. And then lastly, we've got we, not we, the show has... The Atlanta Braves beating out the Houston Astros in the World Series. That doesn't shock me too much. Yeah. Did the Giants even make the playoffs in this simulation? Giants, no. Nothing. And I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 fake news. Yeah, fake news. Don't agree. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's it, everyone. Thanks for sitting through this again with us. If you liked anything you heard, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a listen again. Uh, if you didn't, go ahead and send us a comment. Visit us at thirdandking.shop where you can buy things like that sweet lid on Tej's head or uh, a nifty shirt. Visit us on Instagram. Visit us on Twitter. Email us at thirdandkingshop at gmail.com. Shoot us some questions. Maybe we'll answer some. Cheers. Adios.